This podcast is a presentation of Sunset Presbyterian Church. For more information, log on to our website at www.sunsetpres.org. Well, this Lent, we are following Jesus through the final week. And today we're going to be seeing Jesus on trial before Pilate from Mark chapter 15, verses 1 to 15. We're going to see a dramatic Q&A session between Jesus, Pilate, and the crowds. And Q&A, questions and answers. I personally love Q&A. I own many books on questions like the big book of questions, the 4,000 questions to get to know someone better, the if books, if you won a million dollars, what would you do with it? If you could only eat one food for the rest of your life, what food would that be? If you were to go on vacation with my family, you'd see me open up my book of questions around the dinner table. Um, I try to have one-on-one dates with my boys each month. And I I mean, I don't generally, I pretty much always start with Q&A. How's your life on a scale of 1 to 10? I'll ask a question, answer it. They'll ask a question, answer it. And we have had some of our best conversations Um, I I have with my boys during Q&A sessions. Uh, Do any of you like Q&A? A couple of you? Okay. (laughs) Well, apparently many people like Q&A because let me actually ask a question and have you answer it. Ready? Do you know what is one of the most successful, longest-running game shows of all time? Jeopardy! Jeopardy! Since 1964, you would think they would run out of questions by now. And it's a, it's a game show about Q&A, or A&Q, I guess, with Jeopardy. Well, today we're going to see Jesus before Pilate. This is one of the most amazing Q&A sessions ever recorded. Pilate's going to ask five penetrating questions And the answers are a matter of life or death. Jesus is going to answer two. The crowd is going to answer or not answer three of the questions. And the answers that they give are going to teach us important lessons about Jesus. So let's listen in on this Q&A session that literally changed the course of human history. And it inspired radical acts of love. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for calling us here, gathering us together. Lord, thank you for your presence. Thank you for your spirit. Would you fill us and anoint us and empower us with your Holy Spirit? May we hear what you want us to hear today through this Q&A session. And like Pilate, may we become amazed by Jesus. May we marvel at him today. Bless this time in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, all right, today is going to be simple. We're going to look at five questions, the five answers to those questions, and then we're going to look at five lessons we learn from this Q&A. But before we do that, I want to take a look at the context. 
just so you know where you are in the story. So if you look above the screen, you'll see a picture of Jerusalem in ancient times. So we have been walking through the highlights of Jesus' final week. So we started with the Passover that he celebrated with the disciples. Then they went out of the gate and went to the Kidron Valley. He prayed on the Mount, uh, Mount of Olives, but they went to the Garden of Gethsemane. And that's where uh, he was betrayed and arrested. As Pastor Mike said, it was a one very bad day. And so that's where that arrest happens. And then they take him over to Caiaphas's house uh, where he's on trial. And I want to show you the, um, I want to show you where essentially the, uh, he was on trial before the council. When we say the council, we mean the Sanhedrin. And it would have been comprised of 70 men plus one high priest. And I want to point them out because when this passage talks about the chief priests, That's who they're talking about. That's who he's referring to. These 70 plus one men would have been the chief selected priests for the nation. They would have had uh, both religious and political influence. And by the way, they met, and here here is the temple itself, and they met in this this chamber right here because they wanted to be as close as they could um, to the the Holy of Holies, the presence of God. So Jesus was, we saw that uh, Jesus was on trial with the um, council. Peter denied him. And then if you look up on the screen next, you're going to see afterward, they took Jesus um, to the Antonio Fortress, which is right here. You can see the Temple Mount and the Temple right here. That's where they took him. And on the next screen, you'll see... uh, close-up picture of that. You can actually go there today. It is incredible. That is uh, Pilate's headquarters. And this, that is where this Q&A session takes place. So now you know where we are. Let's take a look at this unbelievable passage. Mark chapter 15. And as soon as it was morning, the chief priest, and remember that's that whole Sanhedrin that I pointed out to you, had held a consultation with the elders and scribes, and the whole council was there, and they bound Jesus and led him away and delivered him over to Pilate. So he's at the uh, fortress of Antonio, where Pilate's headquarters is located. And now we're going to take a look at the five questions. You can keep track of them one at a time. So question number one. And Pilate asked him what? what was, what's the question? Are you the king of the Jews? Notice, it's not a theological or religious question. The religious leaders would have been asking, you know, are you the Messiah? Are you the Son of God? Uh, what do you th- what do you, are you against the temple? Not Pilate. Pilate was the Roman governor over Judea. He, was the rep- he represented the interests of the emperor in Rome. So he is asking a political question, not a religious question. Are you the king? Are you the king of the Jews? In other words, are you a political leader? Pilate wants to make sure Jesus is not a political threat to the Roman Empire. That's why he's asking this question. And, and by the way, there would have been tremendous pressure on Jesus uh, from the various Jewish sects to answer either yes or no. So, for example, the zealots, want, they were looking for a political leader that would overthrow Rome. They wanted Jesus to say yes. The Essenes, on the other hand, would have been separatists. They would have, said, they would have wanted Jesus to say absolutely no. But listen to Jesus' answer to this question. 
What's his answer? And he answered them, him. You, you have said so. You say so. What kind of answer is that? It's not a yes. It's not a no. It's a kind of yes. It's a kind of no. I mean, it reminds me of when the Pharisees tried to trap Jesus and they said, should we pay taxes to Caesar? Do you remember this? And Jesus says, give me a coin. He looks at the coin and he asks two questions. Jesus is always asking questions and answering questions. He asks two questions about the coin. First question, whose portrait on it? And they would have seen Caesar, the emperor Caesar's portrait. And on the other side, he asks the second question, whose inscription on it? And it says, Caesar, son of God. And what does Jesus say to them? He says, give to Caesar what is Caesar's, to God what is God. In other words, the portrait's his, give that to Caesar, but give the inscription to God. He is not the son of God. What an incredible answer. It's not a yes, it's not a no, it's an amazing answer. And Pilate's asking, are you the king? Are you the king of the Jews? You say so. In other words, yes, I am a king, but no, I'm not like your kings. Yes, I am a king, but no, I am not a king in the way you understand kings to be. Yes, I am a king, but my kingdom is not of this world. My kingdom is not a political territory. It is a spiritual kingdom which is far larger and knows no boundaries. Yes and no. So what Mark is wanting us to see in this first Q&A is that Jesus is king. We sung about it. He is king, but he is like no other kings. That's question one. Question two, and the chief priests accused him of many things, and Pilate again asked him, what? Have you no answer to make? See how many charges these chief priests, uh, they, they have been bringing against you. I mean, think about this. He's amazed. So the chief priests delivered Jesus over. They bring charges against him. The religious leaders here are using Political power of Rome against their enemy Jesus to defeat him. That's what they're doing. And, and, and how does Jesus respond to these accusations? I mean, what would you do if you were about to die? Wouldn't you defend yourself? Wouldn't you say something? Deal with the charges? Look at how Jesus responds. Here's his answer to that question. But Jesus made what? No further answer. And, and so Pilate was amazed. He was amazed. Pilate marveled at Jesus. He couldn't believe what Jesus was doing. Jesus responded with silence. Jesus was, is saying, I'm not going to fight political power with political power. I'm not going to use political power in the way you use political power. I am not going to rule like your kings who rule with power, intimidation, and control. That is how political power works. Destroy your enemies through power. That's how it works. But King Jesus says, love your enemies. Do good to them. Bless them from your heart. Pray for your enemies. So what Paul, Mark is wanting us to see in the second Q&A is that Jesus is king, but, not, but he does not rule like 
other king's rule. He will reign by laying his life down. That is what he's doing by not responding to the question. He's literally laying himself down against these accusations. No wonder Pilate was amazed by Jesus Christ. So the scene continues in verse 6. Now at the feast, he's talking about the, the Passover feast that Jesus celebrated with his disciples. Now at this feast, Pilate used to release for them one prisoner for whom they asked. That was the tradition. And among the rebels in prison who had committed murder in the insurrection, there was a man called... So, question number three. And it's a question to the crowd who, who were influenced by the chief priests. And the crowd came up and began to ask Pilate to do as he usually did for them. What did he usually do during this feast? He released a prisoner. And, and so the crowd was asking him a question. And then he asked a question in return to their question. Look at this. He answered them by saying, do you want me to release for you the king of the Jews? For Pilate perceived that it was out of envy that the chief priests had delivered him up. Now listen to the answer here. But the chief priests stirred up the crowd to have him released for them Barabbas instead. So the question, should I release the king of the Jews? What's the answer? No, release Barabbas. Let's take a look at this amazing scene. That is pregnant with meaning. You ready? Pilate. Pilate had two prisoners under his custody. Jesus and Barabbas. There was the prisoner Jesus who affirmed he was the Messiah, the Son of God, the King of the Jews. And then there was the prisoner Barabbas. A known murderer. A robber. Two prisoners under custody. But Pilate not only had two prisoners... On his hands. He had two Jesuses. Pilate had two Jesuses on his hands. Do you know what the first name of Barabbas is? Jesus. That's his first name. So the decision was between Jesus and Jesus. But not only that, Pilate had two sons of the Father on his hands. Do you know what Barabbas means? Barabbas means... Son of the Father. Bar means son. Abba, what does Abba mean? Father. So the decision was between Jesus, son of the Father, and Jesus, son of the Father. Jesus, Pilate had two revolutionaries on his hands under custody. Two revolutionaries. And they were leading two very different revolutions. So the question was not whether there would be a revolution. The question is, which revolution would it be? Barabbas was a rebel who had committed murder in the insurrection. He was leading a revolution to try to overthrow the Roman government by force. That's, that's his revolution. Jesus, on the other hand, was leading a very different kind of revolution. He led a revolution of radical, self-giving love. So Pilate asked this question, which one should I release? Barnabas 
or Jesus? And what are the, what's the answer? Give us Barabbas. We want Barabbas. We, give us the murderer. Give us the robber. Give us the insurrectionist. And my question is, why would they do that? Why? Why would they want a known murderer, a known insurrectionist, to be released instead of Jesus? And here's the answer. Because you can always stop a revolutionary like Barabbas. You can always stop a revolutionary like Barabbas. So the political and religious leaders who do not want the system to change, who do not want to lose power, are going to release the one that is easiest to defeat. And it's easiest to defeat a revolutionary like Barabbas. And here's how you do it. Think about it. Here's how you do it. You release him. You keep an eye on him. You watch him. You watch where he goes. As soon as he gathers his rebels, as soon as he gathers the weapons... You come against him by force. It's easy to stop a revolutionary like Barabbas. But how do you stop Jesus? It's impossible to stop a revolution like Jesus. You see, the soldiers had no idea when they placed a crown of thorns and a purple robe on him in mockery that it was actually a sign of who he really was, that he really would be the forever reigning king. Pilate had no idea when he put up the sign, King of the Jews, that it was not in mockery, that it was a sign of who he really was. Not only the King of the Jews, but the King of Kings. They had no idea when they nailed him to the cross, he was forgiving the sins of the world. They had no idea that on the hours of his hanging on the cross, darkness would come over the land because he was defeating evil. They had no idea when he died on the cross that the temple, that the curtain in the temple was going to be torn from the top to the bottom, that his death was going to radically give all people full access to the presence of God. They had no idea when they sacrificed the Passover lamb that the religious sacrificial system would be fulfilled once and for all, no longer needed. And when they buried him in a cave, they must have thought, finally, phew, finally, one more political radical that I'll never have to deal with again. They had no idea that three days later, death would be defeated and he would rise again. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. They had no idea how unstoppable Jesus was and is. So Pilate asks, who do you want me to release? A prisoner who's innocent or a prisoner who's guilty? Jesus, the son of the father or Jesus, the son of the father? Jesus, the revolutionary of love or Jesus, the revolutionary to overthrow the Roman occupation. Which one is it? See, Mark is contrasting these two Jesuses to make a point. What Mark is wanting us to see in this third Q&A is that Jesus is leading a revolution that cannot be stopped. He He is leading a revolution of radical, radical, Self-giving love. And, and in the next two questions, he's going to reveal 
what that radical self-giving love looks like. So you ready for question four? Question four. Pilate again said to them, then what shall I do with the man? Behold the man. What shall I do with the man you call the king of the Jews? Pilate had authority to release or to crucify him. And in the Gospel of John, it tells us that Pilate believed Jesus was not guilty. He said it three, not just once, not just twice, but he says he is not guilty three times, meaning Pilate believed he was completely innocent. In fact, Pilate tried to release him. Yet the religious leaders said Jesus deserves death because he claimed to be the Messiah and the Son of God. So Pilate asked, well, what should, should I do with him? And the crowd could have said anything. They could have said, release him, bind him, put him in prison. But what was their answer to his question? Let's take a look at it. And they cried out again, what? They cried it out, crucify him. You see, what Mark is wanting us to see in the fourth Q&A is the meaning of the death of Jesus. That Jesus will die in the place of the guilty. That Jesus will willingly will be crucified for guilty robbers, guilty murderers, guilty rebels, guilty insurrectionists, in order to set the guilty free. That is what his revolution of radical self-giving love looks like. It's why... Pilate was amazed. And now the final question, the fifth question. Pilate said to them, why? What evil has he done? Why? Why? You're yelling crucify him, but why? Why crucify him? In other words, what Pilate is saying by asking this question, what he's saying is this. He's saying, "I I have interrogated Jesus. Believe me, I've interrogated him. I've scourged him. I had him beaten. My, my soldiers twisted a crown of thorns on his head. My soldiers put a purple robe on him. They mocked him. I see no guilt in him. He is innocent. That's what Pilate is saying by the question. On the other hand, what Pilate is saying is I've interrogated Barabbas. He's a murderer. He's a robber. He's an insurrectionist. He will cause you a great deal of trouble in the future. He is guilty. So Pilate asks, why? Why? What evil has Jesus done? In fact, Pilate says, I see good in Jesus, not evil. He casts out evil. (laughs) He healed people. The deaf, the mute, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed, the sick, some even who were dead. He fed the hungry. He taught people to, to be humble servants, even wash feet. He commanded people to love one another. So Pilate is asking, what evil has he done? And what is the answer of the crowd who were stirred up by the chief priests? What what happens? Here's their answer. But they shouted all the more. They didn't even answer Pilate's question. Did you notice that? They didn't answer it. The only thing you can do when you have no answer is get louder. The gospel of Mark is brilliant. It is brilliant. Every little word or every word that is not there counts. 
The fact that they could not answer the question reveals an important truth. Jesus is unquestionably innocent. Pilate knows he's innocent. The crowd knows he's innocent. Therefore, there is no answer to Pilate's question of why. They have no answer. So the only answer they can give is to get louder, shout more, call out, crucify him. And what Mark is wanting us to see in this last Q&A is that Jesus is innocent. He's innocent. So Pilate, wishing to satisfy the crowd, that's kind of a haunting phrase, isn't it? Wishing to satisfy the crowd, released for them Barabbas, and having scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified, which we're going to look at next week. So those are the five questions that Pilate asked and the five answers. This Q&A changed the course of human history. If you think about it, imagine... If Jesus had defended himself from the accusations, it could have been a very different story. Maybe he wouldn't have been crucified. Imagine what would have happened if the crowd had said, release Jesus. This Q&A changed the course of history. This dramatic scene points to the meaning of the cross. Jesus, an innocent man, will die in the place of condemned men in order to set them free. He's leading a revolution of radical self-giving love, a love that lays its life down for others, that king is unstoppable. And any time we today, you and me, any time we lay our lives down for the good of another person, we're joining his revolution of radical love. So I want to conclude with a story of someone who followed Jesus and laid his life down in order to set a condemned person free. His name is Father Maximilian Kolbe. He's a Franciscan priest who lived in Poland. And in 1939, uh, during the Second World War, the Nazis invaded Poland. Father Kolbe lived in a monastery, and there he hid, fed, and clothed over 3,000 Uh, Polish refugees, over 1,500 or more would have been Jews. And so in 1941, the Gestapo arrested Father Kolbe for hiding Jews. And he was sent to the German concentration camp Auschwitz. uh, He was horribly mistreated there, but never stopped loving God, never stopped praying, apparently never complained. He, He always tried to help other people there. And while he was imprisoned, three prisoners escaped the prison. So the commander of Auschwitz ordered ten men to be chosen to starve to death as a warning to everybody else to to don't not escape. And one of the men that was selected, his name was Sergeant Francis. And when he heard that he was selected, when Sergeant Francis heard he was selected, he said, my wife, my children... And at that point, uh, Colby volunteered to take his place. He pointed over to to Sergeant uh, Francis, and he says, I'd like to take his place. I want to take his place. I want to take his place. And the commander accepted Colby in the place of uh, Sergeant Francis. So Father uh, Maximilian and nine others went into his cell. 
They were stripped. They, were, they suffered. They were starved to death. Two weeks later, four of them survived. Father Maximilian was one of them, but he willingly, willingly uh, let them inject him with poison, and he died. Sergeant Francis later wrote about that moment. And listen to what he says. He says, I could only thank Father Colby with my eyes. I was stunned and could hardly grasp what was going on, the immensity of it. I, the condemned, and to live, and someone else willingly and voluntarily offered his life for me, a stranger. Is this some dream? I was put back into my place without having had time to say anything to Maximilian Colby. I was saved. In 1982, Father Maximilian Kolbe was canonized a saint. And at his canonization, Pope John Paul II said this about Father Kolbe. He said, Maximilian did not die, but gave his life for his brother. Thousands of people were there listening and watching the ceremony. And among the thousands of people who were celebrating at St. Peter's uh, Square... There was one especially grateful person. Do you know who it was? Sergeant Francis. And his wife. And his children were there. That is the radical self-giving love of Jesus. That is what this Q&A with Pilate is pointing to. The radical love of Jesus. He willingly and voluntarily laid down his life for us. There is no greater love. Innocent Jesus died to set the condemned free and we are saved. (laughs) Heavenly Father, what else can we do but say thank you? Thank you. Jesus, thank you for your radical self-giving love. We are grateful. And all God's people said. Next week, you have to come. We are going to be looking at the death of Jesus on the cross. You know, what's the darkness all about? And what is his cry and what is this curtain being torn? It's all, these are all signs that talk about the meaning of his death. But we're going to hear next week the climax of the entire gospel of Mark next week. So we've been in this series, and next Sunday is going to be the climax of this whole series. So uh, it, I, and I hope and pray it'll prepare our hearts to really celebrate on Easter Sunday as well. So you want to invite a friend for next week. Uh, If you would like prayer, we are a house of prayer for all nations. Our elders, prayer ministers would love to pray with you after the service. Or you can uh, write a prayer and and nail it to the cross. During this Lent, we have the prayer cross up as well. So now receive the blessing. May the radical love of God the Father, may the irresistible grace of God, 
of Jesus Christ. And may the fun fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you today, right this moment, tomorrow, next week, next month, every year, for the rest of your life and forever. And all God's people said,